Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast, a show for accountants using technology to make their jobs more strategic and impactful. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. So, David, how was your week? It's pretty good, pretty good. Uh, busy. Travel's coming up um, for Sydney next week, so I think I leave on Monday. I had, I don't know, eight or nine webinars this week, so it's just been a lot of headphones and microphones. That is insane. And what about you? Do you uh, go anywhere? Uh, yes. So I was in Boston on uh, Thursday at the CFO Leadership Conference, part of the CFO Leadership Council. It's a group of CFOs that have chapters all over the country that uh, were sponsoring at Flowcast. So I got to fly five and a half hours to Boston from LA and then uh, six and a half hours from uh, Boston back to LA in the course of two days to speak for 10 minutes. So yeah, that's a little bit of a, f- a flight for 10 minutes of speaking for sure. I reminded myself that I don't believe that time is a good measure of value. So I just packed as much good stuff as I could into that 10 minutes as possible. And I made it just as valuable as an hour. At least that's what I said to convince myself. Valuable for you or the people listening to you, I guess, right? (laughs) Well, exactly. Hopefully both. Cool, cool, cool. And so this is our week two. So we're trying a new uh, technology stack to record this. Hopefully quality is a little different than last week's. Um, Give us feedback. If you guys uh, hear anything weird or odd or it doesn't sound good, we definitely would appreciate it. Yeah. If if you don't like my voice, I'm sorry. There's not much I can do about that. We'll we'll get over it. We'll get over it, I'm sure. Um, Anything in the news this week? Yeah. So this is a story from last week. Berkshire Hathaway reported its Q1 results. Was it Q1? I think it was, quarterly results. And due to an accounting change, this is why it got my attention, Berkshire reported a loss for the first time in a very long time, uh, a loss of about a billion dollars. But they had operating profit, which rose 49% to over $5 billion. Warren Buffett had been warning people that this was going to happen. It's due to an accounting rule change, which he thinks is terrible. And I think I think I have to agree with him. Now companies has of December have to include in net income their un- unrealized gains and losses from investments. So Berkshire has a ton of investments. And if, if those stocks go up or down, now that, that gets reflected in net income. That to me, I, I don't know. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Why would we want to subject that bottom line number to fluctuations in the stock market? It gets, it gets down to this question of value, right? Just because a few people who are buying and selling a stock think that it's worth a certain amount, why should we let that short-term fluctuation affect long-term the net income of a company like Berkshire, which you know, Warren Buffett is all about the long-term? So I think I'm, on, I think I'm on his side with this. I think it's a bad change. How about you? Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a $4 billion swing, I think, from his quarter by quarter for the last like 10 quarters. Right, they're all somewhere between three and a half to five million, and now it's negative six hundred or seven hundred million. But it's interesting, right? Because like, you'd be on his side, but then you know, what if you were the uh, founder or owner of Dish Network, right? Mm-hmm. Who apparently their numbers went the other way because of this. And then I think I saw an article about um, Tesla. Apparently, the accounting changes have helped Tesla have better numbers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, I, the argument's going to be there either way. I don't know. Um, I'm definitely not qualified to make this call. Uh, <laughs> And I'm not sure which way it affects me personally. Yeah, my 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 big concern is that uh, we could have a situation where we we enter a period of a bull market, and because all stocks are going up, companies are reporting greater net income on their investments, and so therefore their stocks go up, and we have this cycle of stupidity, and we enter another 
crazy market and it gets way too way too valuable or everything's overvalued, I should say, simply because we're basing these investments on fair value. And then, of course, it all comes crashing yeah. down again. I would rather be much more conservative and not recognize the gain until the investment is actually sold. Because when you actually get paid for it, that's when you know what it's worth. Yeah, we don't want another bubble. That's yeah. for sure. No and more bubbles. It'll be interesting to see. Um, is this kind of highly debated right now? Like, is it going to be like, oh, the pendulum could swing two years from now, we're going to flip it back? Or is it kind of like, hey, we're on this track and we're riding it out? I mean, it takes a long time for these accounting changes to happen. So I think we're going to have to live with it for a while. But I, I mean, when a guy like Warren Buffett, who is uh, so successful and has this long-term vision, says it's a bad idea, I think we should listen to him. That's true. Yeah, that's one thing he does have that, that long-term you know, point of view on things. Um, so I found something that was kind of interesting and it, it kind of flows well, right? Like uh, Warren Buffett's net worth, but it's basically, uh, it's from a website called Financial Samurai. I totally stumbled upon it, but it's a, it's like a graph that shows people's net worth composition by levels of wealth. And the summary essentially is build a business. But I thought it was interesting for listeners because I think if you're, uh, and we'll share this out in the links, but there's a great uh, chart. And I think you could use this like with clients, um, even if you're doing tax and uh, just individuals, right? You could look at kind of this asset classes and the way things are divided up, or if you actually have small businesses as clients, right? And kind of compare it. A couple of things I thought that was interested in there is uh, people whose net worth is like $10,000 have a huge percentage of their net worth tied up in a vehicle, right? So maybe the uh, maybe they're making $60,000 a year, but they're buying a $40,000 car, and it just, you really can't, in these summary of the articles, you can't build wealth like that. And as, as, as you see it move and shift uh, really, really fast. And I think the other takeaway I think I had, what and it was 401ks are good. Having long-term IRAs and investments are great, but that's not going to make you a 10 millionaire, 100 millionaire, or a billionaire anytime soon. But I don't know, what, what, what was kind of your takes on that? Yeah, I, I agree with you about the vehicles. This is so common in LA. You see everybody driving around in luxury cars, it seems like. And people have no problem paying the same amount they make annually for a car. It's, that's just a really bad idea if you want to create wealth for yourself. And what what is striking about this chart is as you go up the net worth tier from 100K to a billion, the portion of net assets that is business interests just climbs from almost nothing to 60 or 70%. So people who are at $100 million in net worth, half of their net worth is in businesses. Those are not liquid assets. Those are ownership of businesses. But it makes a lot of sense because when you own a business, it's an asset that turns out free cash flow every year, especially if these are, if it's a stable, you know, mid-sized company. And it's something that you can eventually sell for many multiples, likely, of, of the net income every year. And I, I experienced this in a small way when I owned my own accounting firm. I think that's why accounting firms are such great businesses because once once you build it, you have this asset that as long as, as I guess I should say that you have to make sure that you're not doing all the work in your firm. If you structure it right and you have great people working for you who are serving the clients, then then it's a fantastic asset once you've done that because, you know, it just turns out cash. You don't really have to do that much work if you set it up correctly and you can sell it. Yeah, and that's that focus, right? If you like people go and start an accounting firm, they, that, that difference between creating a job for yourself and on that treadmill versus building a business. And if you can, if you turn it into a business, then it's going to grow and then your net worth will grow along with that business. Um, and it's probably the same advice like accountants and bookkeepers give to their clients, right? 
Um, but I think this is a, a great conversation starter and a, a reframing. You could definitely use this. Yeah, I, I like what you said about that, David, which is, you know, it's not just accountants. I mean, we're guilty of it a lot in that we tend to just create jobs for ourselves, like you said. But every small business owner needs to figure out how to get themselves out of the day-to-day operations of the business. That's when you become an owner and not an employee of your own business. Yeah. One other thing that's interesting on this is the other, other assets. Yeah, they every class definitely has a percentage of other assets. And like I don't know what that is. Like, is it at the 10K level, it's beanie babies? And at the billionaire level, is it like, you know, I think I saw listen to something NPR about people who are storing, they're buying world-class artwork, not even putting it in museums. They're just putting it in the docks basically in LA that are, you know, secured, et cetera. Yeah, I heard about I heard this I heard this story and they went to visit one of them. They are in um they're in like these tax-free zones in ports. Is that right? Where you can you can like buy artwork, but uh, even if you store it here in the U.S., you don't have to pay tax on it because it's technically not in the U.S. Yeah, it's like the, it's like in that duty-free area of the airport, like, mm-hmm. like of the docks. Yeah, somewhere and and so there's just this beautiful artwork nobody's ever going to see. It's just being stored and hoarded. Hoarded's not the the best word, but um, and and it's being done just as assets. People are just, uh, it's almost like it has its, and some people are buying and selling them without even looking at them. Like it's becoming a commodity and it's becoming a equity that's just being traded. It's pretty interesting. And maybe, uh, maybe we should just link those artworks to the blockchain and then just automate all <laughs> just, that. I think we'll have to do this. We might have to find that article or the podcast and link that in the show notes as well. Cause it was definitely interesting, um, what people are doing. I almost saw a related article this week. I was going to pick, but I kind of changed my mind was, uh, about how these billionaires are, getting in this blockchain related and I know I don't want to turn this into a blockchain podcast oh, but ahead, they were taking their blockchain keys and there's a company that is storing this in some cave or um, in Switzerland right so because apparently people are afraid of their blockchain money getting stolen now yeah well I mean all it takes is somebody to hold you hostage and get your blockchain keys or passwords and then they've got access to all your money this is this is one of the problems of of Bitcoin is that there's there, because there's no intermediary, there's no way to get your money back if it gets stolen. So that's why people are going to these crazy extremes, like storing their keys for their Bitcoin wallets in caves in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and apparently it is a little extreme. I, I, they're saying how they have uh, multiple fingerprint um, sensors, but it's also it detects the pulse, so you can't just take a dead guy's hand and open the vault. <laughs> they, they've gone really, really extreme. Anyways, it's all related to net worth. You know, I mean, this. I think maybe we could name this episode the net worth episode. I mean, we're talking about obviously Warren Buffett's going to feel it, right? And you know, the rest of these uh, net worth charts is probably uh, related to that. Well, speaking of net worth, I'm sure that you need to get back to doing your thing, and I got to go write some blog posts. So I'm looking forward to doing this every week with you, David, and I'll, I'll see you again on Friday. Cool. How do people get a hold of you? Just tweet at me, at Blake T. Oliver. You can also find me on every other social media channel in existence. Yeah, same with me. You can just find me on Twitter, David Leary. And if you search David Leary on most everything else, you're going to find me there as well. Uh, it would be great if you guys come across a news article or something related you think we should chat about, uh, throw it our way. We'd love to... Uh, to do that, like especially right now, it feels like it's a little slow. So slow week of news. So very, very helpful. It's getting warmer. Everyone, you know, wants to be outside having a good time. I think we noticed that yesterday on our uh, one of the web the, on Friday we're doing one of the webinars and the attendance was a little low. And I'm like, yeah, it's a summer Fridays. People are jetting out early. Everyone enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll we'll see you back here again in a week. Later, Blake. Bye, David. Bye, everybody.